Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. You're listening to Episode 30 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. Today we are talking all things pets. Is your home, like mine, overrun with dog and cat toys? Are you wondering whether there are small steps that you can take to make your pets more sustainable? Hello to those plastic dog poo bags, right? My guest today is a blogger and animal lover that covers everything you've been dying to know about sustainability and minimalism and how these concepts apply to pets. I ask her your most pressing questions, the ones that you email me all the time, such as the best reuses for cat and dog food bags, what's the best cat litter, I'm asking her all your questions. My guest today is Kim Allman, and she makes a strong case for creating a dog capsule. You know about kid capsules. She suggests dog capsules so that our homes aren't overrun with dog toys. She gives us her honest thoughts about pet subscription boxes, and she details the eco-friendly movement that she herself is spearheading called Take Three for the Trees, so that you too can perhaps participate with your dog. Now, Kim has thoughtfully created a free printable to accompany this episode, and we've named it The Ultimate Guide to Sustainable Pet Ownership because it's just that comprehensive. There's seriously so much information in this thing that we did not get to cover in the episode. So if you're interested in sustainable dog and cat food brands, the best eco-friendly products that Kim personally recommends, and much more, definitely snag today's free printable. You can find it in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 030, minimalist.com forward slash 030. And just go grab it. It's chock full of information and it's free. Without further ado, let's get straight into the episode. Enjoy. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. So we have something in common and it's something actually really big. We are both proud parents of Yellow Labs. That is a big thing. Tell us about yourself and also your dog, Butter. Yeah, so my name is Kim, and I have a blog called 
the dog lover's world, and it is inspired by my English yellow Labrador, Butter. She came to us when she was just a few months old, and it's kind of a funny story how we got her name. So I looked at a book when we were trying to decide, and I saw the word maple, and I thought, okay, you know, this would be a cute name for a dog. So I started suggesting this to my husband, and jokingly, he said, let's name other pancake toppings, and he named all these different things like syrup and butter, and obviously one stuff. (laughs) After a few weeks of having her, we wanted to visit our families and show her off, of course, and they both lived eight hours away from us at the time. So when I was driving, there were times where I did not know where to stop or I would get off the highway, drive for a while, get to the spot and feel really uncomfortable. So I found a cool park once and I thought, gee, I really need to share with people who travel with their dogs, whether it be by choice or not, places like hotels, hikes, parks, restaurants that are dog friendly. So after doing this, we did more and more outdoor activities and hikes, and I became a little bit more conscious of how much I wanted to preserve the earth that we love to explore. So we've kind of opened up the blog to including some environmentally friendly ideas and minimalist ideas just from that. What I love about your blog is that you discuss pet ownership through both lenses, minimalism and sustainability, which of course are my two passions. So I'm hoping today we could maybe discuss pet ownership through the lens of sustainability first, and then we'll move on to minimalism. Does that sound okay to you? Yeah. So in terms of pet ownership, there are some simple strategies that anyone can do to make such ownership more sustainable. Can you share a few? Definitely. So I like to kind of think of it similar to how I think of my own eco-friendly life previous to owning pets. So taking the principles that you've even mentioned in some of your episodes of reduce, reuse, recycle, research, and repair, right? Mm -hmm. Not only do I continue to use the products that I use for myself, like eco-friendly cleaning supplies and dryer balls, but I've just kind of thought, how can I expand these principles to my dog? So for instance, with reduce, can I borrow a crate from my friend who just had a puppy and see if I really do like crate training? Can I buy a bed that has an easy cover to wash and then make sure it's big enough for her when she's an adult so that I'm buying less to begin with? Then um, if we go into reuse, towels are the most easy thing to reuse, I think, for humans and for dogs. So I've taken old towels to use as paper towels. I've made cute little hand towels that you fold over and sew that make kind of a slip for your hand that you can take and wipe the dog's feet after they come in from a rainy day. I use them to protect my seats instead of buying a car cover because it is easier to wash. 
So I think that when you think about the stuff you have, reusing is really easy. Just even keeping the puppy supplies you have until you're sure that you're not going to be using them again and passing them on once you're done with them to be reused by someone else. So next would be recycling. And you can traditionally recycle, but I always learned when I was growing up to upcycle things. So taking old blankets and making them a quilt for your dog Or I have a tote out of an old dog food bag, which is kind of interesting. Some of them are sturdier than others, but it works well. And then research, I think, applies a lot to dog food ingredients, making sure that you're buying a dog food that's sustainable, buying toys that are made well and can last so that you reduce your carbon footprint and the money that you spend as well since you have better items. And then last is repair. I know that you can buy squeakers on Amazon and then you can take your stuffed animal, sew it back up, put a new squeaker in, and you're saving a lot of money as well as saving the environment, which is nice. So many good tips there. I don't even know which one to start with. (laughs) One post on your blog that I absolutely loved, especially in terms of earth-friendly practices, was you listed five common dog items that you should not throw away. And of course, you know, there's towels and blankets, which you can obviously, or maybe not obviously to some listeners, donate to shelter. Shelters almost always accept towels and blankets and old toys too and food. But what I loved what you wrote about was medicine. Can you share with us your recommendations for pet medicine? Yeah, actually, just last week, I took some old flea medicine to the local Humane Society where I'm at, and they were very excited to receive that. So I think the general kind of over-the-counter things like the flea medicine, that is a really easy one to donate. It's going to depend on your humane society. Otherwise, if they can use things that are more prescription related, the best advice I can give is to call ahead and make sure that the medicine you have is something that they would take. But it's always a greater environmental choice to share with them rather than throw it away, especially because it's so expensive. And if you could help a dog, then that can be really great. I know that heartworm medicine in other areas of the country is more common. It's not as common where I live, but that might be another great medicine to pass along. Hmm. And it's the same with pet meds as it is with human medicine, that if there's something you can't donate and you simply must discard, the general rule is you do not flush it. You try to make it unpalatable by mixing it with dirt or something else inedible. The same sustainable rules for discarding medicine for dogs and cats apply. When it comes to food for your pet, in your case, it's your dog, Butter, do you make her food? I don't make her food because at this time I work full time. I have the blog So I have found a better choice for me is to research healthy and sustainable food. And when I've done that, I've seen a couple of brands come up multiple times like Open Farm, Honest Kitchen, Origin, and 
Akana. It is helpful also, I think, to go to your local pet store. I like to shop local if I can and find that they know a lot about the food that they carry. Some of them, like Akana, has statements about sustainability on their website. However, I do make my own treats because I love that it reduces my packaging. It controls the ingredients I buy, so I know they're sustainable. And I can buy in bulk, so again, it saves me money. One of the things that I love about this is how easy it can be. One of the easiest recipes is taking equal parts coconut oil and peanut butter, putting them together with a small amount of cinnamon if you want butter, like some either way, of course. And you heat it on the burner, stirring it often until it's liquid, and then you pour it into an ice cube tray and freeze it. It's awesome because you already have probably those ingredients, most likely everything you need for it, and it has some health benefits like repelling fleas and keeping a nice coat for your dog since it has that coconut oil. And so it can be really beneficial to look into homemade treats. You just want to make sure that you're looking up how much For instance, in this recipe, coconut oil, your dog should have per day because you can have too much of a good thing. So I think that it's really good to just make sure you're doing your research. Absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that. And I would also suggest chatting with your veterinarian uh, in terms of their their diet and any health restrictions. Oh, I think that that goes the same for if you are deciding to make your own pet food. I would start with talking with your veterinarian only because it does take a lot of thought and planning to make sure that they have the right nutrition and vitamins in their food. Just one other quick question in terms of making butter treats. I'm assuming that you are saving some serious money by making treats at home. Would that be accurate? Yes, I find that I am. Yeah. Treats are so expensive. <laughs> they really can be, and they're not all that healthy if you look at the ingredients, which I find frustrating when I'm spending that much money. Right, and they're wrapped in a plastic bag. <laughs> yeah, packaging always gets yeah. you. <laughs> One other post I saw on your website that really piqued my interest was uh, about how you pick up pieces of litter you find when you're out adventuring with butter. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I am very passionate about that right now. I learned about Take 3 for the Sea and found that to be really inspiring. However, most of my hikes and things are not at the beach, but I didn't want this to stop us from doing what an easy, simple, environmentally friendly initiative this is. So therefore, we decided to say, let's take three for the trees. And we made that hashtag take three, the number three for the trees. And since I always have poop bags, I don't necessarily want to touch the garbage with my bare hands because you never know where it came from. So we take a poop bag and normally get three or more items every time we hike. And this has brought my awareness to how much garbage is on a trail, but it's also just brought my awareness to how silly it is that sometimes 
we leave these wrappers or cigarette butts out and those have plastic in them and can really hurt our nature and of course makes an eyesore for us. So this is something that Butter and I are really taking seriously and wanting others to know about because it's so simple and it makes a really big difference. I absolutely love that. I will link to the Take 3 for the C movement as well as the Take 3 for the Trees movement that you're spearheading in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 030. But you touch on a really important point here, and it's that when you go out on a walk or a hike with your furry friend, a big part of the joy is getting away, right, and escaping for however long. What is the one thing that could absolutely ruin that quiet time, aside from like meeting a not so friendly visitor on the trail? And it's just like litter everywhere. And I see where I am in the Northeast that more and more my favorite trails are covered in litter. The litter especially comes in the form of dog poo wrapped in a plastic bag that somebody wraps up, they think they're doing the right thing. And of course, they are doing the right thing, right? Because mm, dog poo has all sorts of bacteria. But you need to actually take that bag and dispose of it. Or better yet, don't put it in a plastic bag, put it in a biodegradable bag. But that's a rant for another day. So I love that you're taking your quality time with butter and really going the extra step, which is to leave the trail cleaner than you found it. Yeah, thanks so much. And I normally count Butter's poop, not necessarily in the take three for the trees, but I do include it in my picture because we should be taking out our own feces and we should be ensuring that the trail stays beautiful. I've also noticed, you know, those presents along the trail as well. (laughs) So I think another thing that is important to note is When we put, even if it's a biodegradable bag, when we put poop into the bag and then we close it, it does not become part of the earth quickly because we kind of make a different environment for it. And so we really need those to end up in the trash because it's not going to suddenly disappear when it rains next time. That's right. And I just want to thank you for labeling our dog's excrement as a Wait, what did you call it? I don't even remember. It was something so much nicer than poo. <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> kind of segueing into minimalism and pet ownership. Something that has really come on the scene lately is pet subscription boxes. I don't know if they are so popular out in Oregon, but out here, I mean, everybody's got a monthly pet subscription box for their dog. And I find myself wondering whether, as with anything, pet ownership included, it's easy to go overboard. What is your opinion on pet subscription boxes? Yes, I find them tempting, but not sustainable, unfortunately. I know that some people might find them more tempting than they can handle, or they might even get them as a gift. So I've thought of some ways to make them more sustainable. One would be to check first with your local pet store that you get your dog's food at. 
Again, hopefully it's a place that you find your values line up with because one of my local pet stores is in fact doing a subscription box now. So if you were to decide that you want to participate, a way to do that might be to ask them, because they're smaller, to leave the packaging out for you. Hopefully you'd use more of the items because they're lined up with your values and with the food that you're getting your own animal. And then you would pick them up when you went to get your food. So you have a little bit less of a carbon footprint rather than them coming from across the country. The other thing is to think about how you can use every item. So maybe you got a gift to a subscription box and you want to use it then that's okay, but maybe you donate the items and toys you don't use to your shelter or re-gift them to friends. So that might be another thing that you think about. And last, my idea was that if you have one, then make sure that you are critically thinking about it. So if you start feeling like items are piling up, that you're getting things that you aren't as excited about anymore, then it's okay to call and cancel the subscription. Or I would like to empower the person to talk to whoever gifted it to them and say, we really enjoyed this, but we now have so many toys. Here's another way that you could give us a gift for our dog. Maybe it's a gift certificate to a local pet store, or maybe it's just the food that you like to provide your dog with or the treats and you ask them to give that gift instead that next Christmas. I love that. And I just want to say from my own experience with my dog, Lucy, she's six now. She has really just one toy that she loves and she carries around and it's kind of like her little security best friend. And she really could leave all the other toys to the side, right? And then in terms of food, she actually has a pretty significant food allergy. So most of the treats that come in these subscription boxes, she can't eat anyway. So toys that she's not going to play with and food that she can't eat, it's just not so worth it in my life. And so I thank you for um, your thoughts because I just have the one dog. So I really just have that one, that one opinion. I definitely think they're for the people more than the dog. But, you know, sometimes you just have to indulge. So you want to make sure that you do what you can to be more sustainable if you choose that. Right. And, uh, you know, I talk a lot about how kids need much less than you may think in order to thrive and be happy. And I'm fairly certain that our furry friends, they need even less than we think, right? They really, truly just need our love. I agree because Butter would play with a juice bottle (laughs) that is from my niece for many more hours than she would any toy that I spent money on at the store. Yes. Isn't it funny how that occurs? (laughs) Yes, or on Christmas, she'll even play with the wrapping paper. So I don't know why I buy anything some days. (laughs) You took the 
idea of a kid's capsule. I remember I had done an episode on kid's capsule wardrobes, and you kind of uniquely and creatively twisted it into the idea of a dog capsule. Can you explain what on earth is a dog capsule? Yes. So your episode came out right as I was feeling very overwhelmed with how many toys Butter had acquired. And I was inspired by your episode thinking, how can I make this something that people could use as either a reference or if they have a puppy and they've maybe never had dogs before, what they could purchase to, again, reduce how much they buy but still feel very satisfied with what they have as toys. So I thought of nine items that, for butter at least, are motivating, thought-provoking, training-friendly, and I fit them all into one little basket so that I knew it wouldn't take up a lot of space. We have lived in an apartment And there isn't enough space for all of the different toys that you can start acquiring with each holiday and trip to the pet store. So some examples of toys that we have in there are like a light-up ball, along with a couple of regular balls, a stuffed toy, a puzzle toy. Um, And some of them have been motivating enough for her that even when they've lost their squeaker, then she still will use them like the Kong Wobbler is one that I'm thinking of. And she goes for it every time. So my hope is that for dogs that are very toy motivated, you could maybe get this dog capsule when you get a dog and you wouldn't feel the need to go and buy other toys Or if you know that your dog is not a ball dog, because I know not every dog likes to retrieve balls, maybe you switch those balls out for a tug toy, which is something that we really don't use with Butter because she's not needing them as much as other dogs do. So it's something that is supposed to help reduce in general. They're very thought out toys. I know that for the rough and tough toys that are the stuffed animals, they are more durable and have lasted through different stages of her life as well as different washes (laughs) through those stages. So (laughs) that's the other thing I really looked at is what toys are going to last for my dog so that I'm not rebuying them when she becomes an adult dog, things like that. You touch on a really important point, which is that not all dog toys are created equal. I've learned that the hard way. There are toys that are really durable and made to last, and there are toys that are made to be shredded in 20 seconds or less. So uh, what I really appreciated about your dog capsule was that the toys that you list are actually really good quality and are, again, made to last. So I'll link to your dog capsule also in the show notes. Before we close, I have to ask you the two pet-related questions that I get all the time. So I would love your feedback on these two questions that I swear I get asked over and over again. The first is in terms of sustainability. Dog food and cat food come in these oversized plastic bags. 
Do you have any suggestions on what can be done to repurpose these bags so that they're not just going straight to the landfill? Yeah, I have a couple of ideas. The first one is probably the easiest, which is to use them as a trash bag. So they are very good, sturdy bags. For instance, if I have cat litter that I need to get rid of, I might use an old dog food bag that I put the cat litter into and You could also use it for your kitchen garbage because, of course, you don't want to be buying new plastic kitchen bags if you can help it from a sustainability standpoint. So that's one way to do the reuse before it ends up in the landfill. The other option is something that is upcycled. And so in the past, I've actually been given a plastic food bag that someone has cut up and sewed along the sides and made into a tote. And it works just fine. So if you are buying kind of a more sturdy plastic bag and you have an old sewing machine that you can put um, a thicker needle on, like maybe a jeans needle, then you could definitely do some upcycling things if you are creative. The other thought for me, when buying food is buying in bulk. And so it might not be that you can go and get, you know, your own bag and put the food into that. But if you buy a larger bag and put it into a food tight container, the food will last a long time. And then you're only buying one bag for multiple months, which is what I do. So I don't have tons of bags every year that I'm having to figure out with. And I know that a lot of dog food comes in different sizes and people feed different amounts. So that's another way to just reduce it overall. Hmm. Thank you for those uh, suggestions. I know that Yellow Labs, they just love to eat. And <laughs> Lucy, um, Lucy goes through the bags. She she makes a considerable amount of waste. Sometimes she makes more waste than both my kids combined, just in terms of these plastic bags. So thank you. My final question, again, that I'm always, always asked has to do with cat litter. What is the most sustainable brand? What can be done to reduce the footprint that cat litter leaves? I'm just going to leave it there and see if you have any suggestions for my listeners. Yeah, so I think that there are kind of two thoughts on this. So when it comes to sustainability, sometimes I think in our society, it's really hard to decide what is more sustainable. So is Um, cat litter that lasts longer and reduces the smell so that you're changing it less, but maybe isn't as good for the environment. Is that a better situation? Or is it something like the um, cat litter that can is made out of cedar where it's a very natural product, but I have used that cat litter and I have found that the urine smell and things like that do add up a little bit faster. So what I found is using cat litter that you can flush, which the cedar you can, and it has a very strong cedar smell, but it is 
you know, made out of a natural product. So I think it's something that is worth thinking about and researching and finding the solution that works for you. Yes. I have two cats with three litter boxes and we use pine chips and it's really just a band-aid for the litter box problem. So I'm always searching for a real solution and um, I'll continue to I'll continue to look. Thank you. Where can listeners find more of you and butter? Yeah, you can find us at our website at www.thedogloversworld.com. And there you can find all of our social media and you can join our newsletter. I just recently added a packing list that you can print into a dog packing list, of course, that you can um, print into planner stickers and are really easy to use. I just want to say I am so excited to have started following you on Instagram because, I mean, I'm obviously biased with my own yellow lab, but Butter is pretty darn cute. So I'm so excited to see Butter updates almost daily. Oh, I appreciate that. She enjoys being the center of attention. That's for sure. Kim, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your pet-related wisdom. I've learned a lot, and I hope to do it again. Yes, that would be wonderful. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate all that you're doing to teach me more about sustainability. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kim. She's such a sweetheart. Don't forget to snag The Ultimate Guide to Sustainable Pet Ownership. Just trust me, it's good at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 030. Now on next week's episode, I am chatting with a fellow mom who has gotten both good and comfortable, the key is comfortable, with saying no. We're talking about how rethinking the status quo is an art And my guest next week gives us the best tips to go about doing so. I'll see you then. Take care.